We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You are listening to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter at Pat Corain, and with me again this week is Sean Siegel on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, we're bringing on Matt Kelly today, so we should get plenty of excitement to match what was easily the most exciting week of the NFL season so far. Yeah, Matt uh, <laughs> definitely brings it. Definitely brings the energy. Uh, nothing you wouldn't expect anything less from Matt Kelly, uh, and he delivers. Um, so lots of fun stuff there. We get into some discussion on Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. Talk a little bit about the Eagles situation now that Darren Sproles is out for the year. Uh, if Wendell Smallwood kind of makes sense as that prime pickup. Um, get into some talk on tight end Zach Ertz big year to date. And of course we talk again, as we did last week about some zero running back candidates, um, guys beyond just Smallwood who might make sense to pick up for your teams, zero running back teams, or even if, you know, you didn't go zero running back. There's, there's been some injuries and now you need a little bit of help at the position. So a lot of fun stuff to get into there. Uh, before we do that though, I want to remind everyone, you can get the listeners only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
which will give you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And it also helps support the podcast if you go through the uh, rotaviz.com slash podcast link. Uh, and, of course, if you want to support the pod, you can subscribe to and rate the Rotoviz channel on iTunes. And if you want to contact us, you can do so via Twitter at Rotoviz Radio or on email, rotavizradio at gmail.com. Uh, Sean, what do we got at Rotoviz uh, this week in terms of uh, articles? I was checking out. Charles Kleinhexel's waiver wire pickups, which is fantastic as always, but I know we have a ton of great content throughout the season. Yeah, Charlie has done a spectacular job getting those early waiver picks out there and has made some excellent uh, suggestions so far. We'll have more of our streaming content. Obviously, you'll get Roto Doc's awesome DFS selections late in the week. Those of you who follow him on multiple platforms know that he has emerged as a NASCAR DFS legend. He'll be bringing his mathematical background and spectacular models to the site with the NFL. So if you're looking for some great DFS picks, we'll have that for you this week. Awesome. So don't miss out on that if you're not a Rotovis subscriber. And of course, if you are a Rotovis subscriber, then... Don't miss out by not uh, logging on to the site and checking out Rotodoc's excellent work. Uh, but yeah, let's get to our interview with Matt Kelly, the pod father, uh, the owner of playerprofiler.com. You can follow him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Please welcome to the show, Matt Kelly. He's the Roto Underworld boss, the owner of PlayerProfiler.com, and someone who is uh, the master of hot takes. Excited to get you on the show, Matt. Uh, it, this has been kind of a crazy week three, I think, and I just feel like you can yes. be able to match the energy of, of the football week that we just uh, we just had. It's been a good week, man. Good football. Remember yeah. week two, everyone was complaining, bad football, bad football, the NFL is not fun anymore. I turned off the television. No one wants to watch football anymore. It's over. The NFL is no longer the top sport. People are still talking about basketball. All of a sudden, we have some weeks where you have an Aaron Rodgers drive to win the game. You have a Tom Brady drive to win the game. All of a sudden, woo, we're back. Yeah, that both of those were just incredible comebacks. Bunch of close finishes to close out the 1 o'clock games. I mean, it was really terrific day of football but also a weird day of football i mean case keenum was was like tremendous uh you know supporting not both surprising digs and not surprising when you're throwing to those receivers well you couldn't do it the week before you know it i i was certainly surprised at how good he was i've um, seen him do it in houston yeah i've seen yeah. him do it i played stefan Diggs this week in leagues that matter nice because i've seen case keenum be prolific in another uniform so i know he has it in him not just at the University of Houston, but actually at Houston, the Texans, he had some big weeks. So I had I I knew he had it in him. He's not Scott Tolzien. He's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. He can get it done, and he did. And it helps when you can throw it to Stephon Diggs, and he can just break a bunch of tackles and, and <laughs> score. Yeah, well, it's calling someone not Scott Tolzien is not the highest compliment in the world, but. Well, that's the perception, right? That he's Scott Tolzien, that he's Bryce Petty. He's not that. Yeah. No, he's a he's a level above them in terms of backup quarterbacks. And if you have the number one wide receiver on that team, you can still start him with confidence, knowing he's going to get targets and make a play and score a touchdown. And that's yeah, that's all you're hoping for. 
Stephon Diggs, I was thinking, you know, seven catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And he kind of did a lot more than that. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, he went off. Um, uh, Sean kind of. It was amazing. I mean, last week's episode. Is Sean here? Is Sean Siegel here? Sean's here. Sean Siegel came on my podcast, Roto Underworld Radio, on iTunes and all the other platforms where podcasts are sold or, in this case, free. And he said, Stephon Diggs will be drafted in the first round next year. Yep. That's what he said. And he said he's doing everything he can to get Stephon Diggs, and if he has to go up and get him in the second round, he will. That's what he said on the show in August. Sean, are you there? Can you validate this? I, am, I, am I imagining this? Diggs is the guy. He's, he's the, the player I have the, the highest ownership of this season, and that's, that's good. There were, as you mentioned, a lot of big weeks. I had a team with both Gurley and Diggs not only lose, but it was already behind going into tonight with Elliott still to play. So, like you said, very exciting week. But Diggs, I mean, if you have him across the board, you're in good shape. You know, we mentioned that he was going to be a first-round draft pick next year. We had a mock on the site this past week where we redrafted. You know, he comes in there in the second round, and that's after the game where he does nothing with Keenum. So then he has a game much more like what I think he can do. Now, clearly not everyone's going to do, you know, he's not going to do that every week. Nobody does. Uh, but it was an Antonio Brown type of week, which is the player we've compared him to a lot. If we were to do the draft again right now, even if you knew Bradford wasn't going to be healthy, I mean, is Diggs in the conversation to go number one overall? Yeah, he's a top five guy. He's a top five guy because it's he and Antonio Brown are the big leaders at the wide receiver position in fantasy football. It's head and shoulders above the rest right now. There sits Antonio Brown and Stephon Diggs. They're the new royalty of fantasy football. And the cool thing is they look alike. I mean, they play the same game. They have the same swagger, the same style. I mean, it's amazing. That archetype, that guy. The route runner. That quick, nimble route runner who never takes a playoff, allows defenders to to over-pursue it just does all the little things, all the nuances uh, that you would like to see in a wide receiver, that you love watching those guys execute it at the highest level. And the little advantages they get on the football field, the little ways they find leverage on defenders, they turn five yards into 15 yards. They turn a 15-yard gain into a touchdown sometimes. And then they also command targets in all quadrants, so they end up getting those red zone Targets where you wouldn't expect a 5'10 receiver to get targeted. It's amazing. God, I love Stephon Diggs. It, it is great to see the next guy come along. It's just, it's a great feeling. It was a great week. Yeah. Did I mention that? So last week's episode was called Always Acquire Stephon Diggs. And this past week in one of my leagues, a super flex league, I traded, this is a redraft league, I traded Joe Flacco straight up for Stephon Diggs. So I was, uh, I was smiling from what? ear to ear on Sunday. Yeah, what? Joe Flacco for Stefan Diggs and Superflex. You didn't, didn't. You shouldn't even mention that trade. <laughs> Why would you mention that? Because I feel good about it. I just it, that's not. It cheapens the league that you're in because no, that, that <laughs> trade has no credibility. You know what I'm saying? Like the league you're in, you just did a disservice to that league. No one gives that league any credit. <laughs> in fact, you might. You should have not mentioned it. You should have made something up. If I were you doing your podcast as the host, I would have made up 
a different trade with a better quarterback just to give some realism like to the transaction and increase the the prestige of the like league. Like what quarterback would I have had to say before it's it's got enough prestige? Yeah, super flex? Yep. You'd have to go uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor? Okay, okay. i go Tyrod Taylor there. That'd be a good super flex option. He played well. If his dynasty, some people think he might not have a job next year. So, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You could even go Stafford. I mean, I would probably exaggerate, hmm. which is what I usually do. I exaggerate. <laughs> when in doubt, exaggerate and make yourself look good. Incre- increase the prestige of everything that you're doing, All your your whole brand, your leagues you're in, the sites you're on, who who's agreeing with you, who you had a conversation with. Like I had a conversation with Sean Siegel about Stefan Diggs, right? So make sure, you know, you put yourself in good company. Yep. All right, that's good advice. I'll, uh, I'll Next time I'll bump that up. Maybe I'll even say like a Ben Roethlisberger. should never mention that trade again. That, that was, that's no Maybe good. like a Cam Newton. Like, no, it's not believable. And then you feel bad for the Joe Flacco owner. <laughs> and you're like, was this his first year playing fantasy? And are you taking advantage of people? And it's just weird. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to a, another 2015 wide receiver who's not doing quite as well as Diggs, Amari Cooper, who just came off a five-target, one-reception, six-yard game. This is in a game where Michael Crabtree left the game with a chest injury. Uh, Crabtree had just three targets for one reception and seven yards, so kind of the the argument of you know Crabtree getting the targets and in, instead of Cooper, that was clearly not the case in this past game. Seth Roberts actually saw the same tar- number of targets as Cooper, and he played on one more snap than Cooper, 45-44. to 44. Um, This is a pretty terrible night overall for the Raiders' offense, uh, so that could kind of be your excuse as a Cooper owner. But, you know, at what point should we be kind of panicking on Amari Cooper as Amari Cooper owners, which we all are? We all are, sadly. I own Amari Cooper in a high-stakes league, the FFPC. Unfortunately, they're a sponsor of Rotoviz. Love the FFPC. But I'm in this league where I did draft Amari Cooper. The best part is I drafted him in the late second round, and I thought I got a deal, mm-hmm. right? I looked around, and I go, it was in person, so I, I had to shout, Amari Cooper, wide receiver, Raiders, ha <laughs> ha, yeah! Oh, high-fiving people, suckers! And I'm like, oh, come on, man! The guy in front of me who drafted one slot ahead of me drafted Todd Gurley, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll take a Martin Cooper, thanks. PPR league, buddy. And it's just like, I, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Amari Cooper looks terrible. It wasn't even last week. Forget last week. He was mashed up a lot with Josh Norman. Josh Norman plays exclusively on the left side, and that's where the, the split end typically lines up, and that's Amari Cooper's role in that offense. So we saw an inordinate amount of Josh Norman. That's not what you want. So it's fine. It's fine, but still, the catch rate. What was it? Five, one for five? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Crazy. One for five. So his catch rate's now going to fall below 50% or right at that Mendoza line. I think he's below 50% catch rate. I mean, I get efficiency isn't super predictive, and we shouldn't overweight efficiency. But over time, you can't be inefficient forever. I mean, isn't that the complaint about Devin Funches? That his catch rate has hovered around 50%, and even if he's getting all the opportunity, if Kelvin Benjamin misses next week, that he's hugely inefficient and therefore don't count on Kelvin Benjamin. Well, okay, if Amari Cooper is going to be inefficient every year in the face of huge volume, 
can, can we not continue to just pencil him in and just assume that he's going to be at least you know a high-end WR2 with elite high-end WR1 upside, treating Amari Cooper as if he's Stephon Diggs? What has he done in the NFL that suggests that he should be in the same tier as Stephon Diggs? Nothing! He's done nothing! Nothing! <laughs> For over two years. What is it? 32 plus 3... Maybe he didn't play all. Yes, he played all sixteen games last year. Though he was, you know, he played hurt in his rookie year. Okay, maybe he missed a game there. Call it thirty-five games. It's been thirty-five games of inefficiency. So he's not in the same conversation, in the same stratosphere as Stephon Diggs. So enough, enough. Stephon Diggs is the class of the two thousand fifteen class, and Amari Cooper is not even the best receiver on his own team. So get out of here with Amari Cooper. I'm I'm so sick of Amari Cooper. I promised hot takes, I'm and here they are. Uh, I got to give Jake Rickroad credit. He tweeted out today that Diggs is the best wide receiver from the 2015 class, which uh, predated yes. your your yes, tweets. Yes, thank the, you for saying it. I wish I had said it. I was thinking it. Usually, I just tweet what I'm thinking, but the first time I was thinking something, and I I never bothered tweeting it, and then Jacob Rickroad basically. T- tore a tweet out of my brain and put it on Twitter. And I was like, no, that's my take. God, God, you're right. You're so right. That's yours. Take it. Run with it. Enjoy it. Great job. Great job. Great job with that tweet. Great tweet. Yeah, because it it's correct. You see, you nailed it. Mari Cooper, get out of here. How, how, much of this, how much of this sense of the inefficiency, though, is just these horrible drops? Because one of the things, you know, you have this Crabtree versus Cooper argument. And obviously you can say draft them both. They they both are probably values. Right now, Cooper hasn't been a value for this season. But you look at the last two seasons where Crabtree has had something of a renaissance here, and he's scoring all these touchdowns in part because the defenses are trying to take Cooper away. And yet Carr still has a higher adjusted yards per attempt when he targets the young guy. I mean, the hard part with Cooper is just that he's, he's had such terrible drops and he looks demoralized by it. I mean, you mentioned before, before we started the show that, you know, that he doesn't look good out there. And, and, and the body does... language doctor. Yes. I agree. Yes. The body language isn't there. And eventually it wears on his fantasy owners, man. I'm human. I know we do right. and, advanced and... metrics, but we're human, man. I'm a human. <laughs> this stuff's wearing me down. Amari. And it seems like it's wearing on him as well. So the question I think is, is whether or not he bounces back. If he's a little bit hurt, you know, he's been listed on their injury report some, but you know, in the off season, there were reports about him, you know, sort of going to the next level in terms of his fitness. He looks like he's booked up. You know, he had some not complimentary things to say about the booked up aspect. I would say, yes, I would say he's bulked up in the, yes, around the midsection area where the waist <laughs> is in the jersey. I, yes, I can see there's definitely a puffiness there. That, that I think is probably not the case, but, but yeah, so, you know, we've got this element where he, he just doesn't look good. And, and I think the contrast again between him and Diggs really jumps out, but I don't know that it's necessarily bad in that Diggs has this incredible flamboyance and it's a lot of fun. Cooper has a sort of an opposite personality, but perhaps an opposite personality in a good way, where, I mean, he t- seems to take those drops more seriously than anybody else. I mean, in 2015, when as a rookie, he had 
over a thousand yards as a 21 year old he still had a ton of drops you know so this isn't the first time he's he's had problem with drops i mean he and mike evans were among well, the, he was the over it last year he didn't well, have that know, many drops last year, Sean. It was like right. it was his rookie year, and now they've returned this year. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated. Sure, and <laughs> I had some some teams with some huge points this week, and then you know going up against Tom Brady, which I don't have any problem with that. I own a lot of Tom Brady. If you're owning one place, you've got to face him elsewhere. But a decent day from from Cooper, and you move on in say that matchup where you know you had the highest score, your opponent has the second highest score. You know, one of you is going to be frustrated that it wasn't you know a half up, half down situation like it was in the first two weeks, and then he gets the the one catch. Isn't it possible this is a, a perfect? time to buy i mean the people who own cooper have drafted him pretty high they tend to be true believers and so you probably can't get him in some formats but certainly in in some others you know redraft situations especially this is probably the time to go in and get him is that the case or are you just selling him everywhere no you have to hold man there's no, it's, the market's locked on him with a, with a player like amari cooper that has so much brand equity built up and he, has, and he was a second round pick there's nothing you can do you just have to eat it. You cannot trade him. You absolutely cannot trade him because he is the best wide receiver prospect of the last decade. Okay, he has all the best in terms of the metrics we look at: breakout age, you know, dominator, age-adjusted dominator. I mean, you name it. I mean, the guy hits the notes that you're looking for. And he was also an early producer in the NFL. Like you said, he had these games in his rookie season where he's commanding double-digit targets. He had four games as a rookie where he had double-digit targets. However, my one complaint about Amari Cooper that I will say the last two years is he's feasted on the bad defenses. So when he plays the Ravens when they had no secondary, the Browns, the Titans, he rolls up double-digit targets. And then he disappears in games that are more difficult, and those are the games that actually Crabtree does better against better opposition, which is very weird to me. It's like he's the guy that gets the default targets when times are good, and when times are tough, they turn to Crabtree. That seems to be the mentality of Derek Carr and the whole offense. It's a very interesting thing. It's not something I've really ever seen before where you have a guy that should ascend, and there's nothing that that is in his i mean Derek Carr is is growing as a quarterback and he's getting better and now he's an MVP candidate like all systems go right it's all green lights for Mari Cooper and then all of a sudden he's standing in the end zone in week 1 and a ball is right in his hands and he just puts it on the ground and it's maddening and then they don't go back to him for two more weeks he's just not another red zone target it's like okay i don't know what to say man usually when I feel this way, the very next week, the guy is number one that week in fantasy points. That's typically what happens when I'm feeling this low on a guy. Well, he Cooper is still 10th among wide receivers in Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, weighted opportunity rating, uh, the Whopper, uh, which is a combo of target market share and air yards market share. Uh, he also leads the Raiders in air yards by over 60 uh, air yards. So he's getting quite a bit of opportunity as you mentioned, the red zone targets aren't haven't been there last well, two Crabtree weeks. Well, Crabtree had more air yards than him last year. Right, so, so that's good. I mean, it looks like 
over the first three weeks, the silver lining here is that Cooper has taken over as the number one wide receiver in opportunity. The red zone market share is up too. I get it. I mean, I get it, man. I get it. It's all things are the, the larger measurements and indicators are still positive. If once you when you take away like like Sean is saying, when you take away the emotion of it, and you just zoom all the way out and say, here are the highest level right. indicators. These are all positive signals. I mean, you have to admit, though, you have to, Sean, you have to admit that a guy like Amari Cooper is not ascending like we thought. And that is a mild concern in like a, like a dynasty context. It has to be. Well, I think it's a concern across the board because you can like the peripherals as much as you want, but there are only 13 weeks in some contests there are less. You can't take that 1.6 and win your week and move on. And so one of the problems that you have when the players perform like that is it, it tends to have cascading effects where now you've got those points locked in probably in a loss going forward. You're not sure if you can play him. You know that he's going to have some big games coming up, but you know, if you drafted zero running back or you know any sort of draft strategy where you created a lot of different paths to victory for yourself, then you've got some other options. So now the problem is going to be that you will bench him when he has the big week. You know, you really want to see consistency from your players. You have to start him. You have to start him too. That's the other thing. You can't not start him. I'm going to be starting him next week in all leagues. I, I have to. Well, this week, you know, I I lose because I have Watkins on the bench instead of Cooper. So, you know, as you go forward, that's going to be a tricky decision because Watkins, as good as he looked, you know, have the injury concerns, you have the offense concerns, the quarterback concerns. Those concerns obviously get a lot less in a hurry when you see a game like they had on Thursday night. But one of the things that we learned very quickly is that every week is a completely different situation. So, you know, when you have these bad weeks, it it just, it really can corrupt your decision-making across the board for your team. And, and that's one of the problems I think that you start to get in here too. And then I think beyond that, you know, when you look at what happened, I don't think you can give Derek Carr a free pass. I mean, the Raiders looked about as ill-prepared to play a game as any team I've seen in a long time. And in part, that's because I watched most of the games on Sunday, but two that I did not see were the London game and the Jets-Dolphins game. I feel like if I had seen those games, probably I would put the Ravens and the Dolphins in that category of least prepared to play a game in a long time. But having not seen those games, what the Raiders did, I mean, it's a, it's a full team performance. You can go beyond that. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch, you know, not a second round pick, but a fourth round pick. And there was some discussion on our boards this week about, you know, was in our redraft mock, he goes 408. People had some problems with that because he's Marshawn Lynch in this high scoring offense. But, you know, is he any better than Adrian Peterson? We I mean, had a terrible 2015 retired last year you know he's a rotational back with two passing down specialists you know so across the board that offense can't get a free pass for what they did in that game all right i take it back there are going to be leagues where i don't start amari cooper because they're playing the broncos do you know what amari cooper historically has done against the broncos remember i talked about what he does against the the lesser secondaries he has a zero for eight game on his resume against the Broncos. Mm. Eight targets, zero catches. 
This guy topped out at 56 yards against the Broncos in his career. That's his career high against the Denver Broncos. 56 yards. Hmm. All right, so maybe the bounce back isn't next week, but uh, hopefully it'll come at some point. No, and no scores. Oh, there was one score in there. Okay, there was one score. Okay, so he's not scoring fantasy points against the Broncos. Now it's four straight weeks, and now he now he has the yips. So we have a player with the yips who's never had success against Aqib Tlaib going to go up against him again on the road in Denver with a team that looks dysfunctional. Again, it was one week. Now if you have you know someone that you, you like, for example, I have Deshaun Jackson. It's now a conversation. Am I going to start Deshaun Jackson or Amari mm-hmm. Cooper? Well, I think the buy low opportunity at the very least would, would come after next week, it sounds like, um, if, you're, if you're a true believer. I want to move on, though, to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Because when we were talking about some of the other elite wide receivers, I, w- I was kind of curious where you guys would place him uh, among those in a, in a redraft mock. Because uh, right now he's fourth in the le- league in air yards. He leads the league in targets. In uh, Josh Hermsmeyer Whopper metric that I mentioned earlier, he also leads the league. Um, just kind of for pricing purposes in terms of where his market value might lie. He's wide receiver 10 on DraftKings for this coming week, wide receiver 11 on FanDuel. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about that for DFS, but also just kind of as you know, that kind of puts his price in perspective to some degree for redraft. Um, so he's obviously getting a ton of opportunity at the same time, the quality of those targets coming from Watson are almost certainly lower than uh, guys like Antonio Brown and Julio Jones are getting who are also right up there with Hopkins in terms of their opportunity. So where do you stand on Hopkins as a redraft asset? How much do you like him this week heading into a matchup? with the surprisingly staunch Washington defense and, you know, Josh Norman, as we mentioned. Uh, I think Hopkins will be on the side that Norman covers more than he won't. Is that right? Well, it depends on where Will Fuller lines up. I don't know if they're going to Will Fuller at flanker at split end. Probably they're going to have, my guess is they're going to have DeAndre Hopkins out there. But DeAndre Hopkins is going to get 10 targets again, is he not? Yep, I think, you know, he's, exactly. That's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, he the one thing you can count on is that he's going to get a ton of targets and a ton of air yards. You can't necessarily count on those targets to be right on point. Uh, The defense could be an issue, but I mean, the dude is getting a ton of opportunity, you know, and at least seems like the the quarterback play is not as bad as it was last year. So he's kind of returning a little bit to that 2015 level where he's just getting bombarded with targets and kind of on that alone, he could, easily finish as a you know top five wide receiver um he's kind of viewed i think as a top 10 wide receiver now but there could be a potential for for a buy low there uh sean what are are your thoughts on hopkins the thing that i love about watching the texans and watson is that unlike so many of the teams where you have these elite quarterbacks you know they're they're reading the defense pre-snap they drop back. You can tell that based on the coverage that they're getting, the looks they're getting, you know, they know where they want to go and they take the ball to the second read, the third read, uh, to the number two receiver, to the tight end, you know, all those sorts of things. With Watson, it's Hopkins. 
And it doesn't matter what look the defense is giving. You know, it doesn't matter what all the other peripherals are. He's going to go to him. And, and I think if you're a Hopkins owner, you love that. I mean, you love almost the fact that he has a less experienced quarterback, maybe not the same just overall level of quarterback. And as a result, that quarterback is going to get in the ball, doesn't care about the situation. You know, you watch the game with the Patriots, and the Patriots are are famous for taking away the opposing team's number one. And, you know, just that flurry of targets. You could see early, you know, having some success taking him away. And then, you know, Watson gets him the ball. And I think that having Fuller back will help. You know, we, we talk so much about volume and opportunity and the way having another elite receiver can really cut down on opportunity. I think Fuller is the kind of guy not going to draw the volume that cuts down, but could really help. I mean, he again is someone who was undervalued coming out of college, even though he was a first round pick. And then he gets off to that fast start before, you know, things sort of get complicated for him with some injuries, their offense melts down. You know, if he can take the top off the defense, then, you know, I think that's going to be great for that offense. You know, Hopkins looks tremendous with Watson there. He's the lead leaguer in target share. You're never going to bench the league leader in target share, are you? League leader in target share. He's almost at 40% in target share. What else do we need to say? I mean, the guys, the guys, he might break a record. Yeah, it's like peak Brandon Marshall target share. So, yes, you you start him and and you you love him. You, You love the guy. I mean, he's looking great. I'm wrong about Deshaun Watson. I thought Deshaun Watson was at best a CFL quarterback, but now Deshaun Watson's delivering the football. I'm not sure he can deliver it deep to Will Fuller, but I don't think it matters because we don't really care about Will Fuller right now. We're just looking for a field stretcher, like Sean said, to make some a little bit of room, a little bit of just an extra little window, just an extra half second of a window for DeAndre Hopkins. And he's now getting more red zone targets than he did last year because his new quarterback and now there's even less options in the red zone without C.J. Fedorowicz. So, yeah, you love DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, show me the targets, man. Show me the targets. There's so many wide receivers disappointing in the target department. Like, let's mm-hmm. celebrate the guy that's getting all the targets. Yeah, he's getting a ton. All right, let's move on to running back uh, and to a guy who finally got some targets this week, Christian McCaffrey. He posted nine receptions for 101, 101 yards. He had 11 targets. Uh he had a Gronk share of snaps, that's 69%, compared to 44% for Jonathan Stewart. Uh, then again, Stewart outcarried him 12 to 4. Fozzie Whitaker also saw two carries. Uh, so, should McCaffrey owners be celebrating, or is this potentially a sell high moment in redraft considering the Panthers were home uh, for the Saints, although they were trailing as well, which I think is probably more important. So, they were trailing against the Saints defense. Uh, in this game and needed to be throwing and needed to have their pass catching running back out there. Are they ever going to be leading in a game? I mean, they're two and one, but who'd they beat? They beat the 49ers. That was a close game. And I don't know. So I think they're going to be down quite a bit this year. They still have both games against the Falcons to go. Another game against the saints to go. Looks like those Tampa Bay games are going to be high scoring. So that means Christian McCaffrey, man, this is what we wanted. Of course, Christian McCaffrey is not going to be used as much when they're leaning on a lead against San Francisco early in the season. But the moment they needed to throw, he's out there and he's catching you know, 10 passes. Because And now who's left? Who's going to get targets? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going – I've already done enough you know, touting of Devin Funchess. 
Devin Funchess, like Amari Cooper, needs to step up and start making plays and not dropping the ball. Yeah, and Kelvin Benjamin goes out in that game, and Funchess still did nothing. Right, and Benjamin's questionable for this week with a knee injury. Who else are they going to throw to? Curtis Samuel is not a target vacuum. No. It's just a bunch of guys that don't command targets except Christian McCaffrey. So I don't know why they wouldn't just run the offense through him. I also think that he's going to break one. Samuel got a little run. I'm looking forward to him breaking one. I agree Samuel's not going to suck up targets. He got a little run, though. It was nice to see him involved. It was, but what I'm saying is there's no one. There's no tight end. There's no outside wide receiver that is threatening defenses. The only person on the field right now that can threaten defenses on a regular basis without maybe a, a play being designed for them like Curtis Samuel is Christian McCaffrey. So it's just a, if you think they're going to be winning, you, you hesitate whether you're going to start him, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, start him, start away, man. I mean, that's if you have a problem where you have a bunch of good running backs, but you're probably going to be starting him. So Sean, I know you're a big fan of McCaffrey coming out. Is this actually, do you see this as potentially a sign that maybe he's starting to emerge as a redraft option? Yeah, well, I've been overly high on McCaffrey the whole way. And then you definitely see signs, even in this this current game or this most recent game, where the offense really limits him. I mean, on draft night, that was so disappointing when he went to that offense. My immediate draft oh. reaction article was that, you know, this oh. is a terrible situation. Terrible. Uh, but, you know, I've turned around on it a little bit, and you can see in that game, I mean, the, the long catch that he made was a fantastic reception, not, you know, not in terms of the run after catch, not in terms of, you know, the route, but just simply the catch itself was fantastic. He brings so much to the table, and he's he's their only guy. I mean, the person limiting him is Cam Newton, because uh, Cam Newton is a running back, and he's a running back with a huge arm. So, you know, if you have a Ted Ginn, you know, if you have someone like that, you can make the offense work, especially if you have a super easy schedule, which that's part of it is they do have a tremendous schedule. And so, you know, I think that plays oh, yeah. plays into his hands where even with their good defense, I mean, the thing you worry about is those first two weeks is if they can stop people, but they play a lot of good offenses uh, with poor defenses. So, I mean, it, it's the perfect scenario for a pass catching running back, especially when you have nobody else. It's just a matter of if Cam Newton can, can work with him, you know, when he has that play early on there, where Newton can hand to him for an easy touchdown, and instead Newton keeps him in himself and and goes in. I mean, you can't criticize too much. That's an easy touchdown for the team. That's that's what you want. But um, you'd like to see some of those handoffs. You know, he's going to have a much bigger role than Jonathan Stewart. You're getting greedy, Sean. You're getting <laughs> yeah, greedy. Hand the ball off. Hand the ball off. He had nine catches for a hundred yards. You're getting greedy. No, I think I think he can do more than that. They're going to need him to do more than that if they want to be competitive this season. Guess who they're playing this week? The Patriots. What is the Patriots' Achilles heel? Slow linebackers. Mm. Oh, he is going to eat the Patriots' lunch. They're going to try to stop him. They're going to game plan to stop him, and they're not going to be able to stop him because the Patriots can't stop anybody this year. It's going to be on. It's going to be on. They're going to be down huge, and they're not going to be able to stop him. I can't I wait. Call. It's going to be great. Love that call. I mean, and then, the, then they have the Lions next, and the Lions give up over 100 yards to Devontae Freeman plus another 46 to Tevin Coleman. And the Lions want to establish the run, even though it is, I mean, they're, they're really down there with the Giants as one of the worst running yeah. teams in NFL history. And because they want to establish the run, they will not have the ball at all in the game. 
They will have the ball in the fourth quarter when they're trying to come back. But when you play the Lions, you get to have the ball the whole game because what they do the first three quarters is run it into the line and punt. So, I mean, the Lions are the perfect matchup. Dude, it's on, man. This schedule is unbelievable. It's exciting when you have New Orleans and Green Bay and Tampa Bay and then Atlanta, Tampa Bay again. There you go. It's great. So this is the time to buy, it sounds like. Um, Let's move to the Eagles running back situation. Darren Sproles is out for the season. He broke his arm right, and then he also tore his ACL. So he is done. Really bad day, obviously. Get out. He tore, he tore his, ACL. his ACL and broke his arm in one play? Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it was the same play. Even oh, my yeah. God. But he, they broke him in yeah. half. They liter- Darren Sproles literally played football until they broke <laughs> him in half. That's literally true. That's literally <laughs> true. Um, but now with him gone, we're trying, you know, we've got to figure out how this is going to play out. Smallwood played 57% of the snaps this past week. Blunt was on the field for 29% of snaps. Corey Clement was on the field for 9%. Um, Smallwood had uh, 12 for 71 on the ground, two targets for one reception and nine yards through the air. Uh, Blunt had 12 for 61 and a touchdown, 12 for 67 and a touchdown, excuse me. And Clement had six for 22 and a touchdown. Neither Blunt nor Clement was targeted in the passing game. So Smallwood looks like kind of the clear answers in terms of who's the passing game back is going to be going forward. But the big knock on Smallwood has been that he cannot pass protect. Um, you know, to the point where the Eagles beat writers are saying like they they don't like playing small. They don't like having him out there because it just indicates to the defense that they're going to be running the ball. So, in terms of his passing game usage, I think that's potentially a limiting factor. Um, how do you guys see this backfield shaping up? Do you think Smallwood can take advantage of the situation, or could this be something where like Blunt's out there on passing downs? just because he can pass protect and he can handle a couple little dump-offs. I mean, he had that little dump-off touchdown to to open up the season. So how do you see this uh, working out? And Smallwood's obviously going to be a big waiver-wire pickup in leagues where he's not owned. Is he kind of worth making a big bid for? Oh, the fantasy zombies are going to be going after Wendell Smallwood. Oh, they can't wait. They've been thirsty, Pat. (laughs) They're thirsty. They've been waiting for a waiver wire running back. We haven't had a waiver wire running back all year that can get people excited since Tariq yep. Cohen, right? So we had Tariq Cohen week one. Everyone got excited about Tariq Cohen, and he's been good. He's mm-hmm. been good. But still, we all knew to temper expectations that Tariq Cohen's not the main guy, right? Satellite back. Okay, satellite back. That's what we've had so far. One really exceptionally electric satellite back that has come down the waiver wire. And then Chris Johnson. So we have a really good satellite back who looks like the next Darren Sproles and Chris Johnson. I mean, that's who we've got in the waiver wire game at running back. There's no free squares yet in daily fantasy. No one get excited about. So now we have Wendell Smallwood. Oh, my God, Wendell Smallwood. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, it's here. Right? It's here. Wendell Smallwood's here. He's the new guy. He's the main guy. Look, he, he had more carries than LeGarrette Blunt. He's going to get all the passing down work. He's going to dominate the touches. And that's all great. Except it's Wendell Smallwood. That's the problem. <laughs> it's a poor man's DeAndre Washington. Yeah. I just wish he wasn't a poor man's DeAndre Washington. Because you think, oh, the passing game, like you said. Well, not only can he not pass protect, he's not very good at receiving the football. So he's not good at running routes or catching passes. He only commanded 
a 7.9% college target share, which is relatively low for a space back. It's very low, actually. You would think that it would be over 10%. Everyone that looks like Wendell Small at the college level is going to command a 10% target share out of the running back position, not Wendell Smallwood. And then all he's done at the NFL level is drop passes and have one of the, the worst catch rates at the running back position, which indicates it's just not a strength of his. So then you go down the list of what are Wendell Smallwood's traits? What are the positive traits? What are the positive indicators? What's he good at? <laughs> I see. Yeah. So this is my problem. This is my problem. And also, he's running behind a bad offensive line. So they were outside the top 20 in run blocking efficiency last year. They're right there again this year, outside the top 20 in everything we look at, whether it's you know percentage of runs stuffed, power play, success, adjusted line yards, however you want to measure run blocking efficiency, Philadelphia is outside the top 20. That line was supposed so to be good they coming can't in. can't run I block. Remember, you know, was... Well, they haven't been good last year. I haven't seen evidence yeah. of it. So, I mean, give me something, man. Show me something. At least with the Bears and Tariq Cohen, they have a nice run blocking unit. I don't know why I should be excited about Wendell Smallwood. Tell me, Sean. Well, this offense doesn't run the ball well, like you said. I think Smallwood does bring some things to the table. He's he's their best running back in terms of athleticism, in terms of pure rushing ability. But you're looking a little bit at an offense that's similar to the Giants, similar to the Lions, you know, without a Theo Riddick. Um, but he's going to get that opportunity there. So my question would be, you know, what's his value going to be after you pick him up? If you pick him up from waivers this week what can you immediately trade him for because if you can pick him up and trade him for jamal charles then i think you definitely want to do that yes 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 jamal charles is like wendell smallwood only really good right (laughs) and wendell smallwood was good right i mean that's jamal charles all jamal charles is doing right now is posting like 5.6 yards per touch like he's one of the most efficient backs in the league. He's going to start commanding more and more carries as they gain confidence in his health. That's going to happen. That's a guy I'm actually excited about. Sorry, Wendell. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, his family, I'm sure, is excited, right? Wendell himself is his girlfriend. Everybody's really excited about Wendell Smallwood. I get it. I'm sorry, everybody. I just don't see it. I don't see where it is. I don't see the talent profile. I'd like my running backs to be good if they're not going to be operating behind, you know, really efficient run blocking units, because you can be Jordan Howard, you know, you can be just average athleticism and big and produce in the NFL. If you're behind one of these road grader offensive lines, that's fine. Do you see the, the holes Jordan Howard got to run through mm-hmm. last week? I mean, I, there were camera angles where I couldn't see a defender. It was just grass. I wasn't sure what they were doing. I, was this practice? Was this before the game when they were just warming up? No, it was an actual play they were running. And he barely made it to the end zone. He barely crossed the plane. He wheezed. I mean, he made that touchdown run look as hard as you can make a touchdown run. I mean, I could have scored. I couldn't have. <laughs> but he made it look as hard as you could possibly make it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, other running backs would have run and it scored the touchdown and, and, and run into the tunnel, and it just would have been a big party, but you know, he wheezed his way into the end zone. That's possible with a good offensive line. If you're a good running team, the Bears are a good running team. Congratulations, Jordan Howard. Eagles aren't. Yeah. All right, but I like that idea of trying to pick him up and, and flip him if you could pull that off. Um, 
All right, I'm going to move to next little segment here. I'm going to do something kind of truly daring, I think, which is attempt a live read with uh, Matt Kelly on as a guest. Uh, so this is <laughs> – I want to let everyone listening know what about are you doing? my – I'm doing a why live you, ad read. Why did you preface it like that, though? Because I, I knew you were going to interrupt me, which you've already done. So you're disproving my You could have just now. done the live read, and I wouldn't have even thought <laughs> that it was a thing I could interrupt. But now you're giving me this implicit permission to interrupt. Uh, okay, I knew you would take Why it did like you do that? that? <laughs> All right. So thank you for proving my point, Matt. Did you uh, trade Joe Flacco for Stefan Diggs at one point? I traded Joe Flacco for Stephon Diggs, but that's, that's a great job, man. Great job, great work. That was Good the trade. That man. was the second smartest thing I did last week. The first yeah, really, thing, you're a smart player. Yeah, is that I signed up Excellent for my bookie at mybookie.ag. Um, I was talking to some buddies who were using a shady New York bookie to make bets, which you know, of course, they're not getting paid out on time, which is uh, pretty stupid, I think. Um, mybookie.ag, my, meanwhile, has payouts in just two business days. Don't be like my dumb friends. Go to mybookie.ag, get a 100% deposit bonus with the promo code ROTORADIO. And if you sign up by the end of this week with the promo code ROTORADIO and then you forward a copy of your sign-up to rotovizradio.gmail.com, you'll be entered into a drawing for a limited edition Rotoviz half-zip pullover. Uh, These are going to be gray with the red logo. We just kind of decided on that. What do you guys think? We, We had red with a white logo. Sean, I know that was your preference. Now we've gotten... Uh, the final vote and it's gray with the red logo. You have a chance to win one of those. If you sign up for mybookie.ag, and you also get a hundred percent deposit bonus with the code roto radio. Uh, Sean, how bummed are you about the, uh, the color choice for the zip pullover? Well, with this gray color, I think you'll be able to go a little bit more incognito. So if you're out there, you're wandering around (laughs) on a Friday night, like, I want to do and people drive by and they're taking your pictures because they're doing one of those um, games where they've got to find someone who's not dressed appropriately walking through town on a Friday evening. Um, Maybe they'll be less likely to grab you (laughs) with the gray than they would have with the red. (laughs) That's a silver lining for sure. Um, I actually, I actually prefer the gray to be honest. So uh, if you want one of those, I'd have gone red. You'd have gone red. All right. Yeah. Own it. This is red. Own it. Own the brand. Rotoviz red. It's not a Rotoviz gray. It's a Rotoviz shade of red. It's not a Rotoviz shade of gray. You don't own that shade of gray. You own that shade of red. Own it. Yeah, that's a great point. And you're a little flashier than I am, I would say, in terms of your your style. I think, Matt. Which uh, you know, I'm a little. <laughs> I like my muted colors. I like the gray. I like the gray with the red. You know, I've yes. still got the red. It's just a little logo here on on the uh, on the corner. Is that all you got on that? That's that's all I got. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on to some tight ends here. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he played on 100% of KC's snaps, but was targeted just once, um, posting one reception for one yard. Since 2015, Kelsey has six games where he got 10 targets or more, but now this is his sixth game with just three targets or less. Uh, for comparison, Rob Gronkowski's played just two games since 2015 where he's had three targets or less, and one of those was last year's week three when he was limited while returning from injury and last year's week 12 when he was knocked out for the year in the second quarter. So, uh, you know, in terms of, like, elite tight ends, it's a little bit strange to me that Kelsey just sees this kind of yo-yoing in terms of his target counts. What do you guys make of this with Kelsey? Just this, just kind of what we've got to expect with Kelsey in this offense. Um, you know, He's no Jason Witten. <laughs> he is no Jason Witten. Jason Witten is getting pounded with targets this year. Uh, 
the metronome yeah, at the tight end position, Jason sure. Witten. That was the that was the move. That was the move. The late round tight end move was Jason Witten, the ultimate fuck you tight end. Yeah, just go Witten and Gates at the end. Yeah, so yeah, I'm an old crusty dude, man. In my old age, I don't take the the the, the sexy guys, man. I'm bidding on Chris Johnson on waivers. That's what I'm doing. I'm drafting Jason Witten. I'm just taking guys that are not exciting, and that's fine. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Giovanni Bernard all day. Jason Witten all day. So where are you at with Kelsey? You see someone that you know, you're know you kind of going to be inquiring to see if their owner Are we really questioning or... Kelsey? Well, I mean, is, is, is he a guy where someone's worried about Kelsey? This seems like a contrived question. I don't know that it's a contrived question. He just came off one. No for one's worried one. about. Is someone is are those conversations happening? Where someone's saying, "Well, we should be worried about Kelsey." Well, maybe I'm. I'm a little worried. No one. People are having that conversation. It's football, dude. It's a tight end position. It happens every year. Tight end goes for zero. That happens every year based on game plan and situation. The tight end is operating in this swirl of violence, unlike any other position. It's going to happen. That there's just. A situation where he's just absorbed by violence and the moving parts and he's just not open or or not not part of the game plan or not available for a target when Alex Smith needs him at a particular moment in time that's just it man it just comes together they run a bunch of plays he's not the guy on those plays and that's fine move on to the next dude nothing to talk about here all right, all right, we'll leave it I mean, there. unless Sean disagrees. Sean, Sean, I'm sorry if I'm being presumptuous, but is there anything to talk about with Kelsey? Well, our next guy on the sheet is Zach Ertz. Yes, and that's who we should be talking huge. about. Would you trade Kelsey for Ertz? I mean, you mentioned this late-round tight end, but the top tight ends score a lot more points. If your goal is to get those points into the starting lineup, and you have one of these late tight ends, are you trying to move in that direction, or are you just going to keep streaming? Well, I'm just playing Witten. Are we happy with Witten at this point? Isn't Witten just Witten now? Are we happy about that? Well, isn't he like <laughs> trying to trade Witten high? <laughs> Matt, you are almost definitely jinxing Witten, who is who's uh, playing no, as I mean, we Witten, record. I'm I'm riding Witten, baby. <laughs> I mean, I'm riding Witten and Amari Cooper straight into the ground. Uh, Zach Ertz is, I think, the second, uh, third. He's top three anyway right wouldn't you rather i don't think anyone's trading kelsey for Ertz just on principle i think but they're pretty they? similar kelsey's more efficient and Ertz is going to have more opportunity so i think it's going to equal out at the end of the day but you know more upside with kelsey i think the question is like a guy like jordan reed anyone next anyone down there after after gronk and kelsey i think Ertz is now carved out the clear cut number three tight end in fantasy, right? Like that's a thing. Now we're going to pencil him into the top three now and probably for the next few years. Right. Yeah. So let me just run down some, some stats on Ertz. He had, he's got 20 targets through three weeks. He's tied with Alshon Jeffrey for the most targets on the Eagles, uh, tied with Jeffrey and Doug Baldwin for the sixth most targets among NFL players, all NFL players. Uh, Ertz leads all tight ends and targets. He's second to your boy Jason Witten in target market share among tight ends. Second to only Rob Gronkowski in air yards among tight ends. Wow. Yeah. So he is wow. crushing. Our, I'm not sure I wouldn't prefer Ertz to Kelsey. Uh, you know, as Sean mentioned, Matt. Really? Yeah. I mean, the guy's getting just consistent 
volume week after week, and he's not particularly – I mean, the, the knock with Ertz is that he hasn't been a big touchdown scorer, and so I do you know, think you have a point there with Kelsey. But Kelsey's all, also gotten sniped from time to time by other tight ends uh, in the red True. zone. So he's not actually as reliable as a guy like Gronk in terms of him, his ability to convert touchdowns. So I think I fair. would take Ertz totally at this fair. point over Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey has zero end zone targets this year. Yeah. Zero and, for Kelsey. And I think that's probably a trade that you can make at this time. Would you do that? I think I might. That would be hard. That would be really hard, man. I would have to swallow really deep. I don't know. He was number one in yards after the catch in the NFL and number one in target share after two weeks. He has one bad week. One bad week can really skew everything on someone. So that's my problem with the three-week sample size trading Travis Kelsey. I just can't. I can't do it, man. But I can tell you that Ertz is a guy you need to chase because he's absolutely going to be a top three tight end the rest of the way. And that's the part of it that I'm kind of making the point on. Not to not to panic on Kelsey, but to chase Ertz because he's getting this really consistent yes. target volume. He, yes. He's getting like wide receiver. He's, he's like a wide receiver two in terms of his target volume, which is – not common at the tight end position. Um, he's kind of doing things that like you would really only expect out of Gronk uh, in terms of his involvement. Yeah, if you in have the like if you have Eifert or Ebron or someone like that, I mean, you should be trying to target Earths, try to see if you can swing something because there's going to be some residual value, some residual brand equity, especially with a Tyler Eifert where you might be able to do Tyler Eifert plus to get Earths. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I think it might take more than that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. There's such a there's such a there's such a drop off. I'm talking maybe even uh, Jordan Reed. I mean, now if you're worried about Jordan Reed's injury, I would absolutely try to bail on Jordan Reed, add someone interesting, and to get Ertz, I would do that. Yeah. I agree with Sean that it's really nice and valuable to have regular sustained production from the tight end position. It's not like quarterbacks. You can't just go to the waiver wire and stream and know what you're going to get. It's that's where quarterback and tight end is different, and that's why you're more apt to draft a, a tight end early than quarterback. Yeah, Sean, where do you uh, where do you kind of stand with? I mean, you you threw out originally the idea of trading Kelsey for Ertz. Is that something you'd actually do? I think that you could. I, I'm more interested, big picture, in how people are playing tight ends. I think it's a pretty interesting conversation. You know, on one of my best teams, I've played Hunter Henry, who has managed to post two zeros in three weeks, I believe. And that, I mean, that will crush your score in a situation where, you know, most people aren't playing leagues where they have 20 starters. So, you know, you put that tight end out there, even one who, I mean, there are a lot of exciting things about Hunter Henry, but, you know, you run into a couple of these situations and again, I mean, you only have so many weeks, you know, (laughs) I have a couple of teams with both Eifert and Jordan Reed. So then this week, you know, I have I have four spots on my roster that are occupied by tight ends because you're trying to add people in behind to fill in those positions. And so, you know, obviously the smart thing in retrospect would have been to pick tight ends that didn't have that injury background. But, you know, you end up with Zach Miller in the lineup. I don't think that streaming the tight ends is as easy or as effective as it can sometimes appear because we tend to latch onto these big performances and forget that that's you right. Know, you right. get a lot of those Ebron scores, a lot of those Henry scores, you know, Zach Miller, someone who, you know, it seems like they would need to use him, but then the Steelers don't show up on defense and they just get run at. So 
interesting things like that. You know, if you can have an Ertz, you know, even with the bad game from Kelsey, if you have a Kelsey, those guys give you a big advantage in your lineup. Big time. The tight end is more game plan and game flow sensitive. Yeah. So if a quarter, think about how game flow works, right? Quarterback's going to get points as they build a lead, and then they'll trail off as they grind the clock out on, on the with the running game. But he got those points in the first half, right? Or they're or the behind, like Eli Manning, he accrues points in the second half as they come from behind. That's not how it works with tight ends. They're not a, they're very they're very much game plan and game flow sensitive. So if you can have a guy who's the de facto number one receiver in the passing game, which is what Kelsey is, was what Jordan Reed is, and what it looks like Ertz is, which is unbelievable with Alshon Jeffrey there, but he is yeah. the number one receiver in that, yeah, in that in passing game. Right, and it, he's been top five in air yards, too. You guys want to talk about air yards a lot. Well, he's a guy that gets down the field, and he converts, right? So he's been one 73% catch rate with well over um, 500 completed air yards last year, which was top four in the NFL. I mean, this guy is just very efficient playmaker but he's not big he doesn't look the part like travis kelsey does like rob gronkowski does he's 249 he's a rocked up move tight end but in a situation where the other receivers outside of alshon jeffrey are tory smith and nelson Aguilar. i mean we saw this coming before the season started right we, we knew he was going to be like the number two option mm-hmm. in that passing game that was the whole thesis around targeting zach Ertz, and in higher stakes leagues, I saw Ertz in an FFPC format, for example, where it's 1.5 per point per reception. I saw Ertz go right after Jordan Reed. Yeah, like the the you know the sharps were on Zach Ertz before the season, and it's it's all paid off for sure. Um, all right, I want to get into just kind of a last segment here. The some zero running back candidates. Um, Going to take a quick break. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part? play for cold hard cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for everyone 
There's no salary caps, so you play in real-life snake drafts, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So come in, join me, draft against me on Draft Today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. All right, let's get into some zero running back candidates. Uh, basically, just run down some guys who are kind of interesting, more interested. I wrote some names down here, but uh, we did this last week. I also probably more interested in just getting the guys that maybe that I that I don't have. But uh, we talked about Wendell Smallwood. I think he'll he'll be pretty expensive this week on waivers, and kind of covered that. Maybe grab him and try to flip him. Um, Deontay Foreman is becoming a little bit more interesting. He had eight attempts to Lamar Miller's 14. Is it Deontay or Dante? Yeah, so I just – actually, I've always said Dante, and I just went with Deontay because I just read it off the sheet. I've so, always gone Dante. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what it is. Let's go Dante. Dante Foreman. Uh, is, I do the same thing with Devante because there are a lot of different spellings of Devante. Yeah, I used to do Devante Devonta Booker's with, a different uh, spelling from Devante Freeman's, right. a different spelling from Devante Parker. Mm-hmm. But I just say Devante by default, and if someone corrects me and says, no, no, it's actually Devonta or something, I say, okay, I'm sorry, I'll, you know, but that's my default. Yeah, I never... That's why Dante is always my default on, on, with with that, any iteration of, of what you're looking at with, with uh, Dante Foreman. Well, either way... And I don't know if it's right, because I don't even <laughs> listen to the games, so I have no idea. I don't watch the games. I don't listen to the games. I just look at the I just look at the stats afterward. So I have no idea. So uh, someone will say, "Oh, the announcer said it was you know pronounced this way." It gives me the phonetic spelling. Some buzzard on Twitter because you know thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. You, you're smart, buddy. Thanks. Great job with the enunciation. Then I write it down. I'm like, that's actually right. I'll make sure I say it right the next time. <laughs> yeah, I have a buddy who always asks me who to start, and he's never bothered to learn the player's first name. So it's should I start? You know, Jay Jones. Uh, should I start, uh, you know, C. Anderson? I guess that one actually works, C.J. Anderson. Um, but yeah, so you're one step above him, I guess, Matt. Uh, but anyway, Foreman's got, he had eight attempts to Lamar Miller's 14. Sounds like a cool friend, by the way. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I like that guy. That's something I would do if I wasn't into fantasy as much as I am. That's something I would do. Yeah, like if you're not going to get that into it, like why bother learning the first names, right? You're already asking someone else advice to to who to put in your lineup. Like, who cares? Hey, about the Sean. First name? Hey, Sean. Should I uh, should I pick up this W Smallwood guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, Miller had 14 attempts. Foreman had eight, uh, and Foreman led the running backs, Texans running backs, in targets with three. Uh, you know, despite I, I remember hearing in the offseason that he was a two down plotter with no receiving skills. So, you know, it was plotter? a who called him a plotter. I feel like people said that. No one um, said it. No one called him. That's a, that's a straw man. That's a straw man premise. No one feel called like him I heard a plotter. That. I don't know. Um, anyway, he turned those two receptions into 65 receiving yards. Uh, they were kind of little dump offs, but man, when he gets going, he gets going. So, uh, where do you guys stand on Foreman? You know, he's he's not available everywhere, but where he is, is he kind of more of a, a little bit of an under-the-radar uh, pickup compared to a guy like Smallwood? Sean, I, I need your feedback on this one. I'm not a, I am not don't know what to make of Dante Foreman. 
the biggest thing to make is just that if you own Lamar Miller, you need to figure out what you can get. Terrifying. They're going to split the carries, and I mean Foreman looks more explosive. And you know we talk about the the models all the time, and and you know some people like the models better than others, but both the running back prospect lab and Kevin Cole's awesome running back success model, they both picked Foreman out as the best guy in this draft. Now obviously the models are are often wrong or just incomplete, don't have certain pieces of information. The draft you know comes into play, but. You know, you watch Foreman. Does he look different than Fournette? Um, I mean, he doesn't. So, you know, Lamar Miller is a good back. They've got an offense that, if Will Fuller comes back and if Watson can do some of the things that he did against the Patriots, then it starts to get pretty exciting. But you know, there are only so many touches. Foreman's less expensive than Miller. If you can still sell Miller for anything, although some of these trends will help Miller as well, and that should be part of your sales pitch. But I would want to get Foreman. I think he's someone, because the elite value or the significant opportunity isn't there today, that maybe you can get him a little cheaper. You know, if you could pick up Smallwood, trade him for Foreman, or in leagues that are maybe a little bit more challenging, Smallwood plus someone to get Foreman. You know, if you can use players like a CJ Anderson to buy Foreman and something else, then I would definitely try and do that. Well, the, with the advanced metrics, and we talk about a guy like Foreman, a lot of the casual fans, and actually when you find out and you start doing these high-stakes leagues, you realize that a lot of the players, they're very familiar with the veterans. But the rookies, there's for a lot of people, there's a knowledge gap there. And so what we can do to take advantage and leverage that, it's not just buying and selling rookies. It's understanding the risk factors associated with certain players. So I feel like those of us that play Dynasty League football, for example, we're a little better versed on the virtues of Dante Foreman. Now, I'm not a big buyer of Dante Foreman because he doesn't have pass-catching ability, and that's just not an archetype I target. Regardless, he still was an imminent threat to Lamar Miller. And yet you saw Lamar Miller get drafted in the third and fourth round consistently by people that I don't think appreciated the risk and the threat that Dante Foreman presented to Lamar Miller. So we might get a bunch of players wrong that we drafted, but also there's a lot of guys we stay away from for the right reasons. And we were right all along to stay away from them because guys that we knew were more talented than maybe consensus uh, perceived ended up being threats that's a great point all right let's talk about cj procise um he was the only back besides chris carson who saw the field in week three uh he had four attempts to carson's 11 he had three receptions for 65 yards on five targets and was split out at times uh, as a wide receiver as well um so he looks like he's going to be involved Although it's starting to get pretty bleak in terms of his like upside picture for him to become, you know, the guy who's going to be involved on every down. Cause I, I feel like if Carson went down, then you got Rawls waiting in the wings and maybe even Lacey. So uh, where do you guys stand on pro size? He's a guy that was, you know, drafted in most leagues. We took him in the 11th round of our FFPC high stakes league. Uh, that has not worked out, but we're kind of hanging on to him there. He's probably become available in, in some more shallow leagues. That's a 20-man roster league. Um, is he someone you're starting to to get more interested in uh, from where you were over the, maybe the last couple of weeks? 
Anything was positive, man. Anything was positive. Those receptions and the receiving yards were positive. Any kernel that I can grasp to get excited about C.J. Procise and retain hope. But we've seen already Eddie Lacy fall by the wayside, which Sean Siegel also predicted. Thomas Rawls jettisoned, right? So it's starting to happen for C.J. Procise where his competition for targets is starting to melt away out of the backfield, and he's the main guy on passing downs. Yeah. And he's competing against an undrafted guy who could flame out at any minute. We don't know what Chris Carson is yet. So he's absolutely someone you should ha- you should be rostering. And I still think he's a guy you can target in Dynasty. What are the chances that this Seahawks team realizes that, okay, our defense may not be quite the level that it's been in the past, or it's at least been exposed you know, on certain plays uh, by a team like the Titans. We have Jimmy Graham. We have Doug Baldwin. We have a, we have a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And we have a terrible offensive line and four guys at running back who can't evade the first six tacklers if they have to if they encounter all of those guys in the backfield. What are the chances that right. that team embraces the idea that they could spread the field and move the ball like they did in the second half against the Titans as opposed to running consistently for loss as they did for their first two and a half games? Yeah, they scored 20 points in the second half against the Titans on the road. That was the way to go, man. Unlock Russell Wilson. I've been pleading for this to happen for two years. Please unlock this guy. If you're not going to give him an offensive line, then let him go out there and operate in space with his receivers. God, it's very frustrating that they're not doing that because I think that that team is built around the defense, it's built around this philosophy, and we you can't get off of it. We, as sort of quantitative analysts, quants, right? We, we can sit back behind our computers and say what they're doing is suboptimal, right? But when you're actually in it and you have to develop a game plan in collaboration with the team in the, in the week leading up to the game, it's a different story. So over time, I've started to appreciate this a little bit more and be more realistic. Whereas I see a game like ProSize had, and I'm like, okay, ProSize, 21.7 yards per reception. Like, they need to get this guy the ball out in space. The problem is they're going to continue to run the ball even though they're not efficient at doing it, and they're going to continue to want to be a team that plays great defense and grinds the clock out. That's not going to change overnight. I don't know how it changes. The only way it changes, Sean, is, is if the defense implodes. I really think that's the only way. I don't think you're going to have a quant like one of us go into that football office and sit down with the coaches and the players and convince them that they need to have C.J. Procise on the field 70% of the time. I think that would increase their chances of winning games, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and the defense obviously gave up 33 points this week to the Titans, so uh, there could be, you know, that could be a sign that against some of the better offenses, they're not going to be able to. No, 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 no. The Titans are matchup proof with their offensive line. Their offensive line is the best in football. They're running against everybody. And they ran against Jacksonville, for Christ's sake, and Calais Campbell. 
That's a that's a matchup proof offense. Forget it. Don't even worry about that. That's no indictment of the Seahawks defense. All right. So then that's got to temper your expectations for Procise. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer, man. He's easily the most talented running back on the team in terms of all-purpose ability. He's also a very good runner between the tackles if given the opportunity, and he's the most elusive behind the line of scrimmage. So if there is penetration, he's the one guy that can make something out of it. But for whatever reason, he doesn't jive with their mentality. And, you know, it's just not the way it works, man. I... I've been wanting guys like C.J. Procise and Tevin Coleman to get more touches mm-hmm. for years. And, you know, NFL offensive coordinators have beat me the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. Duke Johnson. I, I can go on and on, yeah, dude. Duke, well, Duke Johnson's I, I, been I've been, I've been, But, I, I mean, I, I, it's just they, they've I'm, – I'm, you know what? I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Fine. <laughs> I'll pick up Chris Johnson, assholes. You, you you win. You win. That's it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Brandon Oliver. Uh, he had 45% of the snaps. Melvin Gordon was banged up. Uh, he, he had a knee bruise. He should be fine long-term as status for next week's unclear. Um, but I think the more important development here is that, you know, Oliver comes in. He basically handles all the work. Uh, he had eight attempts, six targets uh, with Gordon out. So, is Oliver a guy that's that's interesting at all? I mean, how interesting is Oliver? More of a deep league type of type of pickup. Melvin Gordon better not get hurt, man. Melvin Gordon had better not get hurt. I don't want to consider it. I'm not picking him up. I don't want to consider it. And we're not even sure what his opportunity share would be if Melvin Gordon went out because Austin Eckelar is good. That's the other thing. Austin Eckelar is a better player. Period. All right. I mean, 45% dominator. I know Western State, I get it, but he's like, what if Wendell Smallwood was actually explosive and fast and good in the passing game? Like, that's Austin Ekelar. All right. So I like Austin Ekelar. If we're talking about really deep leagues, most of these really deep leagues are dynasty, mm-hmm. and Austin Ekelar is absolutely a guy you stash on a dynasty taxi squad because he actually has upside. He looks good. I like it. It's amazing. I didn't even know who he was. When I first saw, this was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Want to hear a funny story? Sure. So we, you know, back in the day, I used to create all the player profiler pages myself, you know, sort of from from scratch. So I would know every player that was loaded into the system. But eventually we had some people volunteering and building some of these pages. And unbeknownst to me, we created this page for Austin Eckelar that I had never seen, and I didn't know who he was, <laughs> and it escaped me that he had signed as an undrafted free agent with the San Diego Chargers. Because he never showed up on any of these pre-draft lists, even for small schools. He was off the radar. I don't even know where Western State is. That sounds like a fake school to me. <laughs> that sounds like a fake it college that, from a movie. Right, that you the Western state, like like where, uh, you know Van Wilder went or whatever, yeah. right? So it doesn't even ring true as a university. So I don't even believe this guy's a real guy. And then I hear that there's the, they 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 they've set their roster, and I look at the depth chart and I see Austin Eckler. I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and I went and I pulled up his player page on Player Profiler, and it was like ding 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 ding, like 90th percentile. And I was like, holy shit. That was a great feeling. 
You can imagine. I, I was just because I, I was like, did we we don't have a page for this guy, and then we had a page for him. Nice. So Ekelar was in on six snaps. He saw one target, got one reception for six yards this past week. So, you know, to your point, he's, he's more active. receptions than Melvin Gordon last more week. More receptions than Melvin Gordon. That's right. All right. So anyone else that we should be targeting for zero running backs that we haven't I talked about? I can see the zero RB article on Austin Ekelar being written as we speak <laughs> next year. I, I, I can't wait. Um, who did I forget here on, on this list? There's got to be guys that uh, that you guys are targeting this week that I haven't mentioned here. I mean, I know Elijah McGuire's on here, and Elijah McGuire's interesting because Matt Forte's out. But the problem is Elijah McGuire has Bilal Powell's skill set. So I'm not sure what incentive there is to play Elijah McGuire when you have Bilal Powell, and this is one of the worst offenses in the NFL. So I just don't like chasing backup running backs on abysmal offenses. Right. Who don't have any kind of special skill set to offer. Mm-hmm. someone I, I, I don't know why I sounded so negative there. I mean, Elijah Maguire's yeah, fine. He's, fine like, yeah. he's a good player. But, man, I just killed Elijah Maguire. Sorry. In Deep Dynasty, I, I've picked him up. I, I feel like he's... Um... <clears throat> I feel like he's someone that, you know, things could break right for and you could get a little bit of dynasty juice out of him. But yeah, and is it weird tough. that we have such a weak free agent, a weak, you know, waiver wire free agent running back group all year where we're excited to get Chris Johnson? Yeah, it, it has like, felt a little weak. Get Kerwin Williams was like a thing for a week. And now all we can think of to talk about on our show sheet is Wendell fucking Smallwood. Matt, are you. In, in in a deeper league, are you chasing the garbage production for someone like Alex Collins with as bad as the other Ravens running backs? Well, Alex Collins, is not, that's another story. Alex Collins is absolutely someone you're chasing. The problem with Alex Collins is Marshall Yanda's out for the year. Marshall Yanda being out for the year destroyed Terrence West. We didn't even know it. Not that Terrence, not that anyone was like counting on Terrence West at this point. But it also means Alex Collins is not exciting. At least with Marshall Yanda, they could run to one side and run efficiently and, and pound, punch in touchdowns and all those things. Now they can't run at all without Yanda. So, and you saw what happened last week. I mean, that wasn't an aberration. That wasn't just Calais Campbell. That's their running game from now on without Yanda. So if you're going to make a play on a team that's bad without a good offensive line, like we talked about with ProSize, You'd want a, the guy that's going to catch passes. So, yeah, I just would. I'd prefer to chase opportunity on teams that either have good offensive lines or or have offenses that score points. Where I don't see that either one of those being the case with Baltimore. So then you have to decide what are you devoting roster space to. But I agree that there's potential there with Collins. What about sort of a weird situation with the Bills where they? sort of have a fullback as their number two. They were surprisingly effective moving the ball against the Broncos or at least controlling that game against the Broncos. And now they yes. move into a, yes. a situation where the schedule really opens up and is very favorable for, for quite a stretch here. Um, right. Tolbert's interesting, man, because they should have not had a only... touchdown, a really weird play where he caught the ball, stumbles, mm-hmm. you know, really yeah. mostly fumbles it after he's in the end zone, but it's ruled incomplete. You know, he's going to get some end zone work or going to get some goal. He's a professional work, running back, dude. He's a professional running back. At the end of the day, he signed 
as a 31-year-old professional running back, and they decided to keep him over Jonathan Williams. So that all happened. So we know what they think of him. They like him. And we just have to eat it. As people that love to talk about upside and chase upside, we have to eat it. And now we have to reassess Buffalo and realize, oh, wow, their offensive line's pretty good. And their offense is better than we thought. Mm-hmm. And they have Tyrod Taylor occupying linebackers. And Mike Gillisley, in a vacuum, is not good. But he looked like the most efficient running back in the league last year on Buffalo. So there's something to be said for a running back operating in that system. It doesn't matter who it is. That's someone I'm definitely more interested in than an Alex Collins, for example. Mike Tolbert is very interesting. He's this year's Mike Gillisley in Buffalo. And, Sean, you kind of described him as reverse Amir Abdullah last week because he's going to get the red zone tar- uh, targets, the goal line touches, and he's also going to get receptions. So kind of the, you know, he's he's the theoretic and the uh, uh, Dwayne Washington combined into one. Um, and so I, I actually think he would have some upside, you know, in a McCoy injury. I don't think they would just turn – everything over to Tolbert but um, without that kind of clear lead back in front of him with Tolbert getting the goal line carries some reception work and maybe a little more between the 20s that would be fun man I mean I'm not saying LaShawn McCoy should get injured but that would be kind of fun to have a 245 pound running back be the lead guy just out there bulldozing people yeah just shaking it (laughs) he's 5'9 his BMI is 35.9. He has a 36 BMI. That's 100th percentile. Wow. This guy is a cross between a bowling ball and a beach ball. Yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable. I would love that. I would love that. Let's have fun, people. Let's have fun. Let's stop denigrating guys like Mike Tolbert and realize that these are just good football players and now has found himself in a, a better-than-advertised situation. So... We can be excited about that. It's okay to be excited about that. The fat man scoring touchdowns is exciting. I love it. All right, well, let's leave it there. Matt, thanks so much for coming on this week. Uh, everyone, make sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. Check out his work on the Roto Underworld Podcast Network and at PlayerProfiler.com. Matt, don't overpay for Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. 
you get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 